It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for X and O Quick Hits. We're going to take a look at the film of the Jets' second first-round pick, number 14 overall, Elijah Vera Tucker who is going to play guard for the New York Jets, although he did play tackle, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, with Joe Blewett, the host of Blewett's Blitz over at JetsXFactor.com. Joe, it's been a bit. How you been, brother? Yeah, uh, we haven't recorded a podcast since like April or March or whenever the hell it was, so a lot has happened with the Jets, a lot we can talk about in in coming months before the season. Um, Excited about the direction they are going, and I'm excited to talk about um, one of the bigger pieces they brought in in this this offseason that was, you know, uh, a bad trade because, you know, of the anal- analytical people out there. If Elijah Vera Tucker turns out to be anywhere near as good as a lot of people think he can be, <laughs> think those analytics guys are going to end up eating their words. The first thing I wanted to know about here, Joe, is that Elijah Vera Tucker played tackle in high school, played guard in college, and then he played tackle in college as well his final year. In fact, that was a big selling point by Clay Helton at USC was come back, play left tackle, we'll boost your stock up, and you'll end up getting picked in the middle of the first Mm -hmm. round instead of the middle of the second round, which is exactly what happened. So I want to know why it is that people are insisting that he should play guard. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just curious because he was excellent at both positions. What is it about what you see from him on tape that makes you believe he's going to be a more elite prospect at guard than a tackle? It's literally because of his arm length. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing I could see uh, at risk of being too simple, um, that he doesn't have the, the necessarily arm length to be you know, necessarily a dominant tackle. Um, and arm length isn't everything a tackle. Like it's, you know, we, we've spoken about how many players at this point, like it's, you know, it's, it's footwork, it's cadence, it's, it's splitting, you know, playing that half man um, or having a half man relationship in your kick slides and balance. I think there's a lot of things, um, but arm length is inev- or undeniably one of the biggest traits because you're working into space with guys who have massively long arms um, typically at, you know, the, the really, the really effective guys at, uh, <clears throat> at defensive end, whether it be, you know, Chandler Jones or whoever you want to say. So, um, I think he could be a very, very, very good tackle. Like I still think if he hits his ceiling, he could be a top 10 left tackle in the league to be completely honest. Uh, this is one player who, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll rate guys how I, how I see um, fit. Like I don't try to be a, Jet, a Jets homer, I, but with ABT, like he, and we'll get into a lot of his film, but like he was almost, and I said this in my podcast, he was so, he was almost so good that he was boring to watch because he's just so <laughs> damn clean. Um, so I do believe like, again, I'm talking about ceiling. I'm not talking about his floor. Um, still think he could be a top 10 left tackle in the league because of how good his feet are, um, how quick he is, et cetera. 
Um, but it's really the arm length. And then um, obviously moving him to guard, it doesn't, you don't, it's not as much about arm length because it's more about foot speed. It's more about power. It's more about your hands in, inside than it is necessarily about, uh, about length because the contact comes quicker inside. So he has all of the traits to succeed inside. Um, but yeah, the only, the only thing I see with him at tackle is, is the arm length. And I watched two games, I believe, of him at, at left tackle, obviously knowing that the, the Jets were going to play him at left guard. I want to watch more games of him at left guard. Shocking. Um, but at left tackle, I thought he was really, really clean as well. So um, and that adds on to his value, obviously. We're seeing now with, with Becton and people, you know, judge it how you want to, but with some weight concerns year one, some weight concerns in college, some weight concerns now, obviously with Salah coming out and, and speaking how he did about him. Now he's dealing with some foot problems, which happens when you're freaking 370 pounds. Um, there is slight concern there. So now you're looking at a guy who could play guard and tackle. And we were discussing before the, you know, the podcast, I believe, at least I've had a lot of conversations at this point with just whoever, but look at the guard depth they have. So like you can, you can have an Alex Lewis or a JVR or Clark start at left guard. And you, if you have to in a pinch, you can move, you know, AVT there, or maybe you move uh, Fant there, but it adds to his, his versatility as well. So um, there in, in no way do I see him being a bad tackle. If he played, played tackle, it's just the, the ceiling of being what probably could be a very, very, very good to elite guard to being maybe a very, very good tackle, but never elite because of that arm life. You, you need certain, physical characteristics and traits um, to be laid out there. And he just lacks that one. That's, that's pretty important. Before we get into the specifics in terms of his run blocking and his pass blocking, tell me about his raw traits, which you saw on tape. What was it that you loved so much? The raw trait, the, the power, the smoothness with his, with his feet, his, his athleticism from both his top end speed to his acceleration, um, to his balance, his change of direction ability, uh, his core strength, like he has all of the, the traits you you want um, in terms of athleticism. Uh, and then you actually look at the, the power that he has to be able to take on guys on the inside. There's not really a lot of athletic traits that he's lacking from, you know, if we're just getting to that versus actual uh, technical aspects that he plays with. Um, I don't really see an area where where he struggles with in terms of his athleticism. Like his anchor is definitely really good. The the one thing you could say about him in terms of his athletic traits, we're just looking at that, is he doesn't have like great power. Um, and some of that comes from his hand placements a little bit uh, too high. Sometimes he comes into blocks a little bit too high uh, as a run blocker. Um, sometimes he doesn't attack the hip and he doesn't refit his hands into the hip. You want to attack, you know, from the hip to the, to the ribs, ideally. Um, and if you don't attack there initially because he slips it, whatever it may be, you want to reset your hands there. He doesn't necessarily do that. So, um, his lack of power and like being able to drive guys, kick guys, you know, um, down block guys and move them, uh, comes from both, you know, him playing a little bit high and not rolling his hips and high hand placement. But there are all, there are also times where he does have good hand placement where he's not necessarily going to just going to completely dominate a guy, which is fine. Like he's not playing in a, in a heavy power, you know, counter, uh, scheme or, you know, buck sweep or whatever it may be. Like there's gonna be some of that, but it's, it's not, it's going to be a lot more zone as we have discussed that at nauseam as Jets fans. So, um, it's more about the, the, positional leverage than the physical leverage um, that he needs in, in this scheme. So he'd still be really successful as a run blocker with the Jets. But I think from every other you know aspect of the athleticism and the any traits he possesses, he's, he's top notch. And even with his power, he's still very good. It's just not as good as the athleticism and, and the, the, the foot speed and all that stuff that I mentioned at first. So our friend Michael Nanny has said that one thing that's interesting 
about Elijah Vera Tucker that sets him apart from most offensive line prospects is that usually when you're talking about a top-tier offensive line prospect, you're talking about somebody who's an excellent run blocker but an okay pass blocker or an excellent Mm -hmm. pass blocker and an okay run blocker or in more extreme situations, somebody who's really good at one but not good at all at the other. In the case of Elijah Vera Tucker, at least from his tape at USC, it appears that he's top-end at both. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think in my head a little bit of like, past sets where I saw him like really beat like he again he was so good he was boring (laughs) like I I I see his his floor as extremely high like I I can't see him being worse than at the minimum slightly above average like that's that's his floor to me I I really don't see how he's a bad player um we talked about it with like Becton last year where you know like his his first year might have not been the greatest because you know and i'm not i'm not i'm talking about when he was coming out not what he was at, at, in year 1 because he was good in year 1 but like there were some concerns about you know him transitioning to the NFL because of the past sets etc that he did at Louisville um but with ABT he's so damn clean coming in um but yeah he's he's really really good in the past game uh, i don't remember off the top of my head a a stunt or a blitz that he was picked up or that that he did not pick up and completely shut down like he he doesn't just pick up stunts like just in time. He picks up stunts so quickly, like he's he's waiting. Like like he could take a nap before the before the looper comes. Like he is so good um, at playing long. You know, keeping his eyes active, uh, keeping his hips square because you see a lot of young guys like they they typically overcommit to that to that penetrator, that picker, whatever you want to call it, where they flip their hips either inside or outside. Um, which is what the stunt is designed to do. And then the looper is able to get outside of them or inside of them because their hips are not committed to where they should be, where you want to be square to the line of scrimmage. Like ABT does not have, he does not do that. He, he stuffs guys. He plays long. He plays with, with, with uh, long arms, with length, um, active eyes. He could feel it. Um, he looks for it. His footwork is great in terms of condensed footwork, balance, knee bend. Um, and in terms of like air quotes, dropping his post, um, which is just the up foot, you know, so, if, so if a guy's pulling him to the left, his, his right, his right foot's going to be the post foot and you need to drop that foot to get back inside, uh, to open your hips up inside. Like his footwork is so clean in terms of doing that, the, the balance he maintains, it's, it's really, really good. So, uh, excellent in the past game from picking up stunts from, from his foot cadence his you know, um, the balance, like I was talking about the athleticism, like there's, there's a lot that is good with that, with that pass game. And then the run game again, really, really clean there. You know, uh, smooth puller, condensed footwork there as well. Uh, doesn't overextend or reach with, with his hands. Uh, there's a lot of good things. You know, the loose hips that allows him to get around um, on those on those uh, reach blocks and things like that. The acceleration and deceleration in the, in the open field to pick up linebackers. The 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 hands that he has. Like I, I spoke about it in the in the, the film review I did. Like he pulls or or he gets into the open field with that catch hand reach that John Benton likes to call it where. Uh, you take the angle to the outside shoulder on outside zone and the backhand is the catch hand. And it's not really to necessarily, you know, completely drive a guy if he is to try to, to, uh, to cut backside of you, but it's more to just pick up the guy. And he has an effective catch hand in those situations where uh, he will grab the guy. He will get, um, he'll match them with his hips. Like he has really clean hips. Like there's, a lot, a lot of good, his ability to stay tight with guys on combo blocks. Like there's, it's, it's literally like all the good traits you can talk about the offensive lineman. That's what ABT is to me. Like, I don't, I don't see him being 
disappointing in any way. Like I can just keep going on with traits and just start to read off some of the stuff I have if I go to my traits and weaknesses list, but uh, clean from all aspects from both pass and the run. Again, the run, the only thing I see with him is the fact that he comes into some blocks a little bit high, so he's not able to really roll his hips and get under guys. Sometimes the hands are a little bit high where he doesn't refit them. Other than that, though, uh, he's really, really clean. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Joe, you mentioned before that you think there's some misconceptions with the blocking scheme and that mm. Elijah Vera Tucker fits really well for what the Jets appear to want to do there. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, it's just it's just misconception of blocking schemes in general um, where you know, every inside zone and every outside zone aren't different. Like each coach coaches a different, like, you know, where a guy like Jim McNally with outside zone might want you to scooch technique a little bit more where you're going to lose, you're going to lose ground with that first step, but you're going to gain ground horizontally. The same thing with the, with the second step. And that's, and what that's taught, what, what that is, or what that is taught to do or what that, what the effectiveness of that is, is to, you know, air quotes, lose ground to gain ground. So he, Jim McNally really wants the guy to get that positional leverage where in, in Benton scheme, he's more of a lead step guy where that first step um, is, is that lead step as he, as he calls it, um, which you're going to lead it to the, to the defender. Um, and he wants that first step to come on your instep because if, if it's on your instep, then it allows your second step to get vertical. Whereas if it's on the toe, it's going to make you go horizontal. So he really wants that first step to get to, to, to be towards the guy, second step condensed power and you catch and you catch the guy. Um, he, in air quotes, so this is what, this is exactly what he says. He wants to meet the defender at their line at, at the line of scrimmage. So he's not a guy who necessarily wants to, to reach guys. Um, he is more of a take it as you see it type of guy where your, your footwork is going to pretty much be the same on every play. If they expand, take him outside. If they, if they stack, then you're going to have help from the backside. Who's going to, to hit, to hit him outside. If he slants inside, use your catch hand. Um, that catch hand, same thing I talked about with the secondary or, or with the guys climbing to the linebackers where the catch hand is going to catch the guys and necessarily to stop him. It's just to swing your hips back inside and you're going to use that hand almost as a pivot point to catch him. And then you're just going to drive him inside because obviously, um, or seal him inside because it's going, it, you know, outside zone, it's going to be, um, it's imperative that the running back gets outside. So front side line, catch hand reach, aiming points to the outside peck. Uh, like I said, first step is the lead step, which is um, going to be aiming towards that outside shoulder. Want to get on your instep. The front hand rakes him, which is pretty much just like it's it's almost like a it's almost like a like a hook um, going to get to the outside peck. Uh, backside hand, like I said, is that catch hand, and then to keep going on that. Like I said, if if the D lineman expands, now that catch hand that was initially going to catch that guy allows him to drive more, take him vertical because now you can refit that hand into the ribs and drive him outside because you want to drive closest as you can to the hips, um, which uh, is just attacking the center point of your body, which obviously, you know, allows you to create movement. Now that trail blocker is uh, his aiming point is screws to screws, screws to screws means it's going to be helmet to helmet, you know, face mask to face mask. And he reads the defensive lineman until the third step. Uh, that if, if the defender uh, or he reads, if the defender is either going to slant widen or stack, which we're going to discuss um, if the, Defender widens, he takes three steps to that target, then he climbs. Um, he, if he slants, now it's the trail blocker's job. If he stacks, then like I said, with the trail blocker, he's going to take a 
air quotes, straight line through the target. He's going to snap the defensive lineman outside. Now that now that lead blocker has positional leverage inside on the trail blocker. Now he's going to climb to the second level, uh, or the trail or the trail blocker is going to climb to the second level. So it's and, and again, I'm kind of getting into the into the weeds with this, where people are probably saying, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" And maybe just skip 15 seconds. But again, with all that being said, it's really it's really built on having the having consistent footwork and taking guys where you found them. So um, you don't necessarily need to reach. Like everybody talks about outside zone. Oh, he needs to reach outside. Zone, oh, he needs to reach. Like that's all you hear. You don't necessarily need to reach this in, in the system on the backside. Yeah. You got to cheat a little bit more to, to reach. Um, you want to win with that back shot, backside shoulder on the, on the, on the backside, because obviously the run's going opposite. You don't want guy to get that positional leverage inside of you. But on the front side, again, it's it's all about taking a guy, taking a guy where where he's going already, um, because you don't want to force yourself to try to win on the play side, uh, or on, in that B gap, in that C gap, because then if he's going to slant that way, you're screwed, and the, and the and the run is over. So it's a lot more about reading guys and being smart and having consistent footwork, which I think ABT is extremely good with. So some of the people are saying, "Oh, this guy can't fit here because he's not athletic enough." To a certain extent, yes, you still have to be athletic because that backside guy, if that de- if that defensive lineman does expand, he still has to he still has to run to the second level and catch hand reach that secondary guy or that, that second level guy um, where he's going to aim to that outside shoulder. So you don't want to get out raced to the sideline if he's expanding. Um, but I think it's a misconception to say everything on the front side is reach because it's actually not reaching at all. It's it's more um, of that catch hand reach where they take they take that initial angle to the outside shoulder, but if he expands, let him expand. You don't have to get, you don't have to race to get in front of him. So um, I feel like I explained that pretty, pretty sloppily, but I hope you at least somewhat got the point. <laughs> For sure. And I will say this, one thing that really stuck out to me with Elijah Vera Tucker is, as you said, he seems to not only be a fit for what they want to do, but a very, very clean prospect. And that's why I was curious because you watched a lot of Joe Tooney's tape leading into free agency because we all hoped that the Jets would get him. Unfortunately, he went to Kansas City, so now he's going to be competing for Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes. And in the wake of Joe Tooney not coming here, I think they realized they needed to do something major on the offensive line, and that's when they went out and got Elijah Vera Tucker. From watching Joe Tooney's film, how do you think that Vera Tucker compares to Tooney because I've said that if Vera Tucker can be as good as Tooney who's a very very good guard I wouldn't say that he's elite he's not Quentin Nelson he's not Zach Martin something like that but that if he can be that level of player then the Jets made the right move by going and trading up to get Elijah Vera Tucker at number 14 do you think he has that kind of potential in him yeah, potential, sure. That's I, I think he could be again, I think he could be a top five left guard. Like just just how clean he is with his feet and his balance, especially in this this zone system, which I just came off of saying, like y- y- people automatically assume it's reaching, which on the backside it's 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 more like reaching hinging. Um so you need more athleticism on the backside, but the front side again, it's it's more again block the player on the angle you find them type deal. Um but he is very, very clean, which which Tooney Tooney was as well. Like you know, um, and they're both super athletic. So I'm, I'm really trying to think like hard in terms of a direct comparison, like what's necessarily completely different. Like Tooney, I would say in the run game has more like consistent hand placement and, and things like that for me. Like he's more, he's better at refitting the hands, etc. But I also think that AVT, um, I think he projects to be a little bit stronger than Tooney in terms of like his anchor against bigger guys inside. So uh, in terms of his ceiling, he could easily be, as good as Tooney. Now, again, I do not want people to say, oh, he's saying he's going to be as good as Tooney. The guy's crazy. I'm saying ceiling. 
Um, but he's also like Tooney where he's super clean technically where I can't really see him ever being a bad player. Like, again, I, I said that he's his, his floor to me is above average. Um, and I don't try to plant my flags on something like that all the time. Cause he looked like an ass and then people come at you again, but I'm, I'm fine with planting the flag on that, um, that he's going to be at least above average. So, um, the ceiling, I think he could definitely be at that level or even better because I think he possesses some more natural power to his, to, uh, to his game than Tooney where Tooney versus Specifically, I think I think I watched the Ravens game where that was where like Brandon Williams and was it Pierce were on the I, I forget if it was Pierce on the inside if that was the other defensive lineman's name like and Tooney struggled against those bigger guys like that was his that was his biggest weakness was against the nose tackles who were three hundred and forty pounds type deal um, where Elijah Vera Tucker like with his anchor um, and his ability to hop back in in his anchor like at times it didn't look like he was trying. Um, at USC and he was completely locking uh, guys down. So they're, they're a little bit different in, in terms of the run blocking and uh, you know, Tooney might have more consistent hand placement and things like that, where, where again, ABT might have more, you know, power, just a natural power than he does. Um, but in terms of their safeness as, as, as players, I, I see them relatively similar. Um, not the best at player comparisons, but that's kind of the, some of the stuff that came off the top of my head. Joe, if you were Joe Douglas, would you have made this trade based on who else was on the board at the time? In other words, I know you looked at some of these draft prospects before the process happened in April. Do you think that Vera Tucker is heads and tails above <laughs> those other guys as a prospect, guys like Christian Darisaw? Yeah, so uh, well, the one thing with, and again, this is, this is from mostly secondhand, which I, which I hate to do. Um, and I will preface it by saying I've only watched a little bit of the guys from not drafted, but Darisol wasn't there questions about like if he can kick in the guard because he doesn't have the necessary power, like nastiness as mm-hmm. a guard. So um, that's obviously a big question. And Tevin Jenkins is a guy who a lot of us wanted at 23 if he was there, or you know, we're clamoring for him at 34, but then he obviously dropped past 34 um, and fell to whatever it was like 39, you know, 40, whatever, whatever it was. But then there was questions potentially about his not necessarily, I guess not necessarily his mindset on the field because he's a nasty player, but I guess mindset off the field, some of his maturity, and then there's some issues, like some injury questions. So um, I think if you look around the league too, like especially the guy who I feel is really safe with Elijah Vera Tucker to be a very good player. If you really look around the, the league from a team to team basis, there's not a lot of really good guard play. So if you can trade up for a guy who, again, I, I don't know who, I know, I know you know Scott, um, because you're on those Twitter streets more than I am, maybe a little bit more. But like whoever tweeted out there, they're like, "Oh, the you know the Jets traded a first round pick and two thirds for a, for a rookie guard, where you know Julio Jones is going for a second and a fourth or whatever it was." Like that wasn't the trade. Obviously, they traded up or they traded back in the first round and they traded two thirds for a fourth and got Elijah Vera Tucker, who I felt was a really really clean prospect. Like and and just to hammer this home because, well, one of the issue is I watch like literally thousands of plays. Sometimes I forget. I, I forget guys strengths and stuff like that um i just want to read off the the strengths here and and with elijah vera tucker go watch the show you know uh yes i'm plugging myself um but this isn't these aren't strengths that i just don't show on the show all of these strengths i i show it and i talk about it on a play-to-play basis so let me read the the strengths and you can tell me if he is if he's a good player and all this showed up in spades um versatility as a guard and tackle smart player condensed footwork anchor smooth puller activized doesn't overextend overextend reach tight elbows in the pass game hands on garbage just play with your hands ready like a boxer uh saw more aggression pop in 2020 film stays tight to, to offensive linemen when he should patient punch timing active drag hand wide 
in terms of his his build. Athleticism, core strength, loose hips, change of direction, plays long, great picking up blitzes and stunts. I put great in, in caps, quick feet, takes good angles, body control, frames rusher as well, doesn't overextend often, lateral movement, flexible, smooth puller, runs off ball, acceleration, deceleration, <laughs> speed in open fields, get hip to hip on combos, which is important uh, to not like I spike them. Uh, pre-snap and post-snap awareness, good balance, knee bend and pass protection, good dropping his post quickly, knows when and how to power step. And like these things showed up in spades. And like a lot of those things are really important for offensive linemen. So you see that a guy that's that, that clean of a prospect and you're going to trade, you know, two thirds for a fourth and trade down in the first, like how many of those guys you're going to draft in the third round are going to work out anyway. So if you see a guy who you absolutely want, do it. Like I, applauded Joe Douglas for, for, for making this move to get a guy who was considered the best guard easily in the draft. Unless obviously you're going to play like Slater or Penny Sewell at guard, maybe, but like as a pure guard, um, you know, he was, he was the best guy in the draft. So can you, can you get on a GM for wanting to protect his quarterback with the best guy? Like people, the problem with, with mock drafts and stuff, Scott is people see positions and they just, they, they just assume that ABT is as good as Darisol, who's as good as Wyatt Davis, but that's not necessarily true. Like ABT was a lot better than those guys. You can't just fill a position and assume the position is going to be filled to the same quality. Um, so in, in a very long way of, you know, of answering that question, I think, uh, yes, it was a hundred percent worth it. And I applauded Joe Douglas for doing it. It was one of my, is my favorite move of the draft, uh, him having the balls, um, and the, and the smarts to, to trade up for a guy who is as good as ABT is. It was Greg Rosenthal from NFL.com, by the way, that there made you that comparison. And I understand what he's saying on the surface because it seems absurd that Julio Jones would only go for a second and a fourth when a guy who's never played in the NFL requires a first-round investment and two third-rounders to move up. Of course, the Jets did get a fourth-rounder in return, which people tend to forget to mention. But the point is, of course, that Elijah Vera Tucker is 21 years old, doesn't have an injury history. You get him dirt cheap for five years on a rookie contract, whereas with Julio Jones, he's expensive, he's injury-prone, and he's 32 years old, so he only makes sense for a handful of teams. It's funny when you say it out loud, but when you really look at it under the surface the way that I just did in the way that I'm sure you have, Joe, that's when it starts to make sense. And I'm really looking forward to watching Elijah Vera Tucker hopefully bloom into one of the elite players in the game. I'm not sure that he's ever going to get to Julio Jones level in terms of how elite he can be because Julio Jones is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But as we said, if he can even be Joe Tooney, then it's a huge win for the New York Jets. Joe Blewett, breaking down the film over on his show, Blewett's Blitz for JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on, brother. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything that you're doing over on your YouTube show and also everything that you're doing on social media, how can they check you out? Uh, Jorby31 uh, on Twitter, JetsXFactor is a website. Uh, YouTube, you can just look up Blue Splits, all the stuff will come up there. And again, uh, this is the, the which I love that we have a we have a name for my show when I come on, the X's and O's Quick Hits. I love that. Even though some people filled my spot last season, which... Uh, we have to, we have to discuss Scott, but um, <laughs> no, it's uh yeah, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about. Like I, 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 I kind of just go over things in my head that show. I really get into the nitty gritty, breaking it down. Like we're talking about like the overtake zone and the catch hand reach and you know, whether the guy expands or stacks or slants, like all that stuff, I show it. And, ex- and specifically with the ABT review, I, I showed and I discussed in this situation, this is what Benton, Benton would want. At USC, this is how they most likely coached it. So this is how it's going to look different. So if you want to get into the weeds with that stuff, go to the channel. Um, I'm literally doing reviews on every single draft pick, even Yoboa, 
uh, Isaiah Dunn and Hamilton Rashid Jr. And then for all of the free agents up to even Ronald Blair and Tevin Coleman and Tyler Croft I'm doing reviews on. So um, there's not a lot of ground I'm not going to cover on that channel. So check out what Joe's doing over there. And he'll certainly be doing plenty of that here with us on XNO Quick Hits on Play Like a Jet as well. Make sure you check out what we're doing too at playlikeajet.com and on our YouTube channel. Luke Grant has got short reviews. They're not as long and as extensive as what Joe's doing, but they're short bites that you can kind of get an idea of different players and different schemes. We've got some up on Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter. That's up right now. Kayla Pace has Pace's playbook, her video commentaries, so you can check those out too. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, go ahead and do that and if you haven't given us a five-star review on itunes if you could go ahead and do that for us really appreciate it easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com <laughs>